Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantine Kitten. And this is a show for you if you're bored with people arguing on the internet over subjects they know nothing about. At Trigonometry, we don't pretend to be the experts, we ask the experts. Our fantastic guest this week is the producer and head writer of We the Internet. Lou Perez, welcome to Trigonometry. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to have you. I've been watching your videos and really enjoying them, but for anyone who doesn't know what you do, just tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Uh, we the Internet TV is a uh, comedy news channel. Uh, we mostly do uh, political um, satire. We take on politics and culture and, and that sort of thing. And uh, we're available on YouTube, Facebook, all online uh, social media platforms. Mm, and you've got an interesting angle. Like some, I was showing the guys some of your stuff. It was really funny. Like you were talking, there was this bit about an edgy comedian, uh, Doug. Doug Allen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. For those of you, you know, across the pond who aren't uh, familiar with uh, the edgiest comedian who dares to make fun of people like Donald Trump Ooh. and all that, that's uh, that's Doug Allen. Uh, and that came out <laughs> of uh, I uh, uh, there was a a, a, a writer named uh, Luke Spolino. Uh, so he and I both developed Doug Allen. Um, and we put on these these fake comedy trailers for Doug Allen stand-up specials where he's saying outrageous, edgy stuff that no one is brave enough to say. <laughs> and uh, and what's amazing is the amount of people who watch it and think that it's real. Like, it's actually, it's gotten to the point where they're like, oh, you see that on late-night television all the time, man. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and then, like, going into the comments and, like, trying to actually deal with these people. Um, so occasionally you'll have someone, you'll call them out and be like, hey, you know, he's not a real character. And then they'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I fell for it. Mm -hmm. Then other people just, you know, sort of dig in. They're like, you guys suck, you know. So. <laughs> well, our friend uh, who, who wrote, who created the character Titani McGrath, Andrew Doyle, he has the very same thing with, with Titania. Like, he posts the most outrageous things, like, you know, there's nothing white about me except my skin color or something like that. And he gets loads of people taking it at, at face value. Uh, it says quite a lot, I think, about where we are culturally. But uh, in terms of with the internet, what's the kind of angle that you guys are coming at, at things from? Yeah, so uh, uh, we, we describe ourselves as equal opportunity offenders. Um, and... Uh, you know, when you're making fun of politics, you know, we're dealing with a lot of competition, right? So you have professionals in late night television, you have uh, comedy shows and all that, and everybody is going after the same material. Uh, so it's sort of our job to see what angle isn't being taken, you know, to try to uh, be funny and original and have original takes on it. Uh, so that's sort of where we're at. Because a lot of, from what I see, comedy, and, you know, particularly like, you know, the late night shows, the Tonight Show, they tend to have a liberal bent to them. But I don't see a lot of conservative comedy coming from the US. Would you describe yourself as being a conservative outlet? Well, it's, it's tough now to even to know what conservative means because I have so many friends of mine who are, you know, liberals, uh, Democrats, and they tell me, you know, like, they like, Lou, I, I believe the same exact things I believed five years ago, but for some reason, if I talk about them, I'm worried that I'm going to get in trouble. So it's sort of like people are being I don't know, kind of pushed into the conservative, uh, uh, you know, the, the conservative bent or whatever that, or... Uh, they're being labeled as conservatives. They're being labeled as conservatives without even considering themselves yeah. uh, conservatives. There's a lot of work that I've done in the past. Like, I got... My, my first job out of, out of college, I wrote erotic fiction for a living. I wrote, a, I wrote dirty stories for a living. Like, that was my first job. That's not really a job that I would say a conservative would really take, you know, mm. writing. Um, 
So uh, I can't believe I. There's no reason for me to bring that up. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you did. Yeah, just, in, just in case the comedy thing doesn't work out, I want yeah. everybody to know that I could go that route again yeah. Yeah. and write dirty stories. That's uh, the only reason you've come on trigonometry. You want <laughs> you, you want you wanted some jobs doing that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. My my erotic fiction career needs to be picked up yeah. again. Um, it's funny that you say that because we have a a kind of more libertarian comedian in this country, Simon Evans, who used to write pornography for a living. Yeah, did you did. know this? Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe that's why you, you, you kind of said you're a libertarian, which no one in the UK knows what it means. But um, It means you're problematic. Yeah, very, very problematic. <laughs> well, well, even in the United States, uh, you know, libertarians, you know, people don't necessarily know what that is. So you'll... I think sometimes libertarians will be labeled uh, Republicans who smoke weed, <laughs> yeah. that, uh, which is a you know v- like a very like oversimplified uh, uh, way of, of putting it. Uh, for me, uh, as a as a small L libertarian, I'm not a part of a, the Libertarian Party. Um, my whole thing comes down to uh, this idea of uh, of voluntary exchange between uh, between people. That I, I don't want uh, any initiation of force. I don't want people forcing others to do their um, do their bidding. Um, and uh, I sort of take that from the personal, uh, you know, the personal place between this is all voluntary, and then sort of expand that to uh, you know groups and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and a lot of times that includes, uh, for the most part, things like you know smaller government and. Uh, uh, rights as far as what you can and cannot put in your body. The idea is if you're not hurting anybody else, you should be able to put whatever you like in your body, that sort of thing. And um, so what what challenges do you face when it comes to writing political comedy? Because to write, for instance, a, a Trump joke is phenomenally difficult because there's so many people, like you said, going after the same to- uh, terrain. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it's like anything... You know, being original is the is 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 a tough part uh, point, and then also being able to do a joke and not lose the audience mm. right from the get go. Um, so sometimes there'll be videos that that we put out, and people are like, "Oh, this is just right wing propaganda," and it's like, "Well, I didn't really consider right wing propaganda. I thought it was me taking an idea and developing it and 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 trying to do something uh, with it." And then other times. Like uh, you know, we'll be called you know you libtards, which is. Uh, do you guys have libtards here? <laughs> yeah, in, uh, I'm a libtard. Uh, are you? Are you a libtard? Yeah, yeah. You're really not. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, I actually I want to take that back for libertarians. Yeah. Like I want libtard to be the libertarian thing. Um, it's not working out well in um, in the U.S. But it, it's funny. It's like depending on which. Mm. Uh, if you, if you have a if you have a weird nuanced view of the world. Um, I think people are so used to, uh, you know, everybody sort of being in a box where if you believe this, you must believe this, this, and this. Therefore, I can see one thing that you did over here and make all these sweeping assumptions about where you fall on these uh, other political uh, issues. I would, do, do you want to? Okay. I'll, uh, I, I, I usually it's me interrupting you, so yeah. I'll, I'll, be the, I'll be the gentleman. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's unusual to hear a Russian use a word that gentleman. But anyway, uh, the, the question I was going to ask you is, so how do you approach your comedy in the sense that normally when you're a political comedian, you have a political agenda. So you're a left-wing comedian, that's your left-wing agenda, whatever else. Do you have a political agenda or is it just finding the funny? Um, I think it's just, uh, for me, it's, it's finding the funny. A, a lot of stuff that I do, I also do stand-up as well. So yeah. um, when I'm on stage, a lot of things are you know, self-deprecating humor, I guess, mm. if you want to call it that, or talking about... Uh, things in my own life. And I, I feel like a lot of times 
uh, when it comes to political humor, there's this risk of going full-blown activism. Mm -hmm. And I think when you go full-blown activism, people can sniff it out. And then it's like, well, now I'm, I'm no longer seeing an act or I'm no longer hearing jokes. I'm, 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 I'm hearing, you know, an activist speak. Um, and that's something that I'm trying that, you know, I think everybody should be really uh, conscious of when they're, uh, when they're doing that. Well, it's like you said, though, it's becoming quite difficult because I, I do political comedy as well. And the problem is that whenever, I mean, making fun of a politician or a political movement or a party or whatever, it's now automatically interpreted as criticism. Mm -hmm. And it used to be, I feel, that you could make fun of both sides. And if you kind of went through your 10 or 15, 20, whatever minutes out or an hour show and you, you kind of punched at everybody that was fine. But now people will just go, oh, you made this one joke about Trump or one joke about Hillary or one joke about whoever. And that's you now. And now we've disagreed with you. And now, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of times political comedy is supposed to be this idea of, of holding up a mirror to society. Mm -hmm. And I, th and I think one thing we have to be careful of is to remember to actually turn that mirror around and look at ourselves and be like, Ooh, you know, I don't have all the answers and I don't necessarily know, uh, I don't know what's going on with uh, uh, with with everything. Mm. Well, we had an incident very recently, actually, in this country, where a comedian who hosts the the only real equivalent we have to uh, what your late shows, uh, who was doing a show to a group of people who were kind of the the the, bl the blue collar type of audience uh, at a charity gig, mm -hmm. and he was doing his very anti Brexit material which I guess would be a bit like doing anti-Trump material, uh, you know, in the Rust Belt somewhere, something like that. And he got pelted with bread and booed off stage. And it was really the first time that we've, I think it's the first time that that's really happened. I mean, a couple of other people have been talking about it. So it seems like it's becoming very polarized in that way. Uh, and, and I think, like you said, comedians maybe need to take a bit more responsibility as well for just being activists on stage rather than just doing jokes, right? Yeah, well, also, I think it, it, we're in really weird times where, um, like in the United States, if, if you are a Trump supporter, um, people are, are support him so much where it, it's become almost a, a, you know, sort of a personality trait mm -hmm. in a way where um, they don't trust the mainstream media. And, you know, sometimes there's good reason, you know, to be, uh, to be skeptical of, you know, stories that, that, that you're seeing in the media. But they... They don't trust the media so much that they start to take any form of criticism as a personal attack. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that, you know, with, with, with my own stuff where fans who have been following me and really enjoy when I make fun of social justice warriors or when I make fun of Antifa, the second I, I, you know, make a joke about Trump, it's like, oh, I'm done with you guys. It's over. <laughs> and it's like really this is what it like th this one punchline that's all it took for you to you know think that 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 you know I'm I'm garbage now I'm mm. no longer worthy of of having you around and it, it's a, it's a little scary because I um I fear that that the divisiveness is just going to it, it's just going to keep separating us and separating us until we you know can't tell you know what is a joke and what you know, what is true, what, you know, what, what's fact, what's fiction, all that. And we're not talking. And I think that's a really big problem. Mm. And do you think audiences have become more sensitive since you've been... So, for instance, when did you start stand-up? Um, oh, comedy. I started comedy, I think, yeah, I think maybe like 17 years ago. I started in college, and I started with uh, 
improv and sketch comedy. Yeah. And then I, I've been doing stand-up, I think, for probably like 10 years mm. or so. And, and in that time, <laughs> so you're, you're mainly New York-based. Yeah. You must, have, you must have seen audiences change. Do you think we've become more sensitive as a, as a society and as an audience in a comedy club, or do you think things have remained kind of similar? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I wonder, it might be that nowadays uh, you have an outlet to talk about your sensitivity, um, mm. you know, whether it's, you know, going on social media and talking about a comedian that you saw. Um, um, I'm not sure. I, I, I think, I think it, it, it almost seems like it used to be if, if you were offended by a joke or, you know, you found something that was, you know, like, oh, that's just wrong. You would say, mm, I'm not into that and then move on. Mm. Whereas now it's, um, it's almost like it's incumbent upon you to talk about how offended you are and how wrong that that joke was. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. You have to call it out now. Call that's it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now you can, that's sort of your way of, of being part of the fight mm. uh, in a way. Yeah, so it's, it's not necessarily that more people are becoming offended. It's more that when people are, they, they amplify that to, mm-hmm. to a great degree. I mean, look, in London, I, I know I speak to a lot of people, who, and Francis hosts a lot of different shows at uh, some of the better clubs in, in London. Uh, I speak to other people. Best who, clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gary. No, no, well done, but not factually accurate, but, but it's a good joke. Um, <laughs> uh, but you talk to people who host shows or MC shows like that, and the level of complaints about a comedian being whatever, offensive in some way, has never been higher, even as, as comedian, we're becoming increasingly careful about the kind of stuff that we, we do. So certainly in this country, it, it has been happening. I don't know whether it's it's the case in New York or elsewhere in these states. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I, luckily, I haven't experienced it uh, yeah. that much. I have a, a friend of mine who uh, who owns a club, and it'd be interesting to hear what he has to say because. Well, let's get him on trigger. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, we should have had him. Damn, we got you. I know. No. Um, yeah, I guess it, it's it's one of those things where also how do you quantify it too? Mm. You know, if you have you know two hundred people packed into a room. And five of them leave a terrible review. Uh, are we to assume that the other 195 either had a good time or, you know, they had an okay time or some of them had a bad time, but they were just, they were so offended and so uh, traumatized that they're not even able to talk about it? Mm. I, I don't know. And don't you think it's also part of comedy's remit to offend, to push the boundaries? I remember the first time I saw uh, Chris Rock is when he, did the uh, black the the whole black people routine? Sure. And do you want to do that routine? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's do it. Yeah, In my voice, oh, it will sound uh, fucking excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be one way to end the channel. Anyway, yeah. um, and I was the oh, uh, there was about eight people in the room. I was in university, and I was the only white guy in the room, and we were watching it. And I was watching the reaction from everybody else, and I was like, "Are you allowed to laugh at this? Am I allowed to laugh at this?" Black people laughing at it. Is a white person allowed to? Isn't that the purpose of comedy? To test the boundaries? Well, racism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to test, test the, ba- the boundaries, test of, the boundaries of racism. Yeah. Of, you know, of what is and isn't acceptable. And, and aren't we making things too safe at the moment? Well, I think, you know, comedy is a way to go after sacred cows, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever the sacred cow is, it's sort of, um, you know, might be the duty of, of, a, of a comedian. <clears throat> um, you know, and you could uh, you can volunteer for the job to, to take on whatever that uh, sacred cow is. And I remember talking to people about that that Chris Rock bit, and apparently it took him a really long time to get it to the point where 
it wasn't offensive to also black audiences. Yeah. Apparently, he was working on that material a lot, and it wasn't it wasn't working in in, uh, in black rooms. Um, so I think I think there I, I think there there's something there to you know being willing to fail as well. Yeah. Um, I mean I I mean I'm sure if you guys look at your notebooks and just how many jokes are just they were great in your head or like or even like oh man this is going to piss some people off or or um, and then you go and you do it live and you're like, oh, what a waste of my life. <laughs> that was just the worst. No, it never no, happened. Never, never happened. <laughs> no. never it's in, all gold, man. Never all in gold. the best clubs. <laughs> <laughs> the, best uh, the better, the better clubs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but also I think it comes down to, you know, how, how are you going to choose on, um, you, know, what, you know, what art to, um, you know, to spend your time looking at or listening, or, or listening to? Um, I want it to be something that I haven't heard before, something yeah. that... The best thing about about laughter is when it's uncontrollable. So you know, even you know, some of the most horrendous jokes, if it got you laughing, it's like it did something, right? Mm. It, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, the the thing with uh, the the Chris Rock bit is really interesting. What you say there about him having to work on it for a long time. This is where I feel the the issue maybe is that if you need to work on a routine, which we all do, to try and make it find that place between funny and offensive where it it's, it sits just right. You're going to have to go to, oh, this is just offensive at some point, right? Uh, and you have to have the space to do that. If you, if you're not, if you're not, if you don't have that opportunity, then you're, not, there's going to be routines that are never going to be born because they're going to be just killed at birth because you go, oh no, I, it's, it's too offensive. I can't try this out and you can't get it to, to its logical conclusion. Yeah. It, it, the, the challenge is there too, because it, it's not like all subjects are, are equal. Mm. You know, obviously it's, it's a lot, um, it's much easier to talk about, uh, you know, a relationship, like a, a bad date than it is to talk about a bad date that leads to an abortion. Like, ooh, then that's a, right? No, I mean, that, that, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, true. It's, yeah. a, it's a tough one. So, yeah. so there's a challenge there. Well, how do you make these really sensitive, controversial subjects palatable and funny? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, there are people who can do it and, and others who can't and others who are like, I, I don't even want to touch that. Mm. I, I find the, the whole, you know, Chappelle special thing very, very interesting. As in, you know, the mainstream media's reaction to it, as opposed to, you know, the average punter or audience member who loved it. And I mean, the thing that summed it up the best was a Rotten Tomatoes review from the critics mm -hmm. and then the audience rating. Right. Yeah. And, and that was, that was in um, uh, Sticks and Stones. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't, I, 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 I wasn't looking forward to seeing the special or anything like that. I had no interest in seeing it. I, it it's on Netflix, and Netflix is just full of – there's so many specials, and I'm like, I can't get to all of them. Mm. The only reason why I watched it was because of the controversy, mm. you know, yeah. everybody talking about it, you know. And then finally I watched it. I watched it with, with my wife, and like every five minutes I'm cracking up mm. and like balled over in laughter. And it's like, yeah, that's what, that's what it's supposed to do. Mm. I, I would love to actually – it, it would be great if all the critics who, you know, who, who panned it, it would be great to set up a camera in the room when they were actually watching the special mm -hmm. and see how many of them were actually laughing. But th but afterwards, they're like, well, no, I, I, I have to pretend like I wasn't laughing. Mm. You know, uh, I, it's not it's not right for me to to uh, agree with this comedy special. Have you met a lot of critics, Lou? 
No, this is why you think that. <laughs> if you meet critics, they're, they're people who have absolutely no sense of humor by and large. Oh, no. Like there's a guy here, the, the Guardian in the UK, who. Um, <laughs> oh, what a funny guy. Um, he He's known for having absolutely no sense of humor. So like he's known for coming into a show, watching it for an hour, and like people will say, yeah, he smiled twice. I think he's going to hmm. give it a good review. Uh, so that I, we, we are in a position where there's, there's a lot of people who are judging comedy who, who don't seem to enjoy it, which is why Chappelle and Jimmy Carr and, and they get very bad reviews. And a lot of it seems to be quite political, like coming back to what we were talking about earlier but uh talking about sacred cows wh- what kind of stuff are you interested in in going at at the moment what kind of stuff are you working on with uh, with the internet yeah uh so we released a uh, a video uh, not too long ago um uh, titled uh hire minorities to voice your minority opinions um so the uh, uh <laughs> that's what we've done in the show man i'm the foreigner here so i can talk you're, you're a refugee right? yeah right? not not quite but not yeah, quite? yeah just just pretend yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good <laughs> just, yes. just go i'm a it. refugee guys i escaped war-torn russia uh, there you go um the the, the idea being um uh, if you're a straight white Mm. cis male mm. um, oftentimes there are you know certain subjects that you're not allowed to have an opinion on mm. uh, so this service will allow you <laughs> to select a member of that marginalized group <laughs> yeah. to express the same exact opinion and it'll be taken seriously because it has the authority of coming from a person <laughs> uh, of them that of that class yeah um, that's and, awesome. and, and and that's something that 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 subject in particular is something that that, that I've noticed o- over the years because uh, people often begin a, a sentence with, you know, speaking as a, as a person of color mm. or speaking as a woman or speaking as a man of faith. But, mm. no, but no one ever, ever starts by saying, you know, speaking as a stupid person. <laughs> um, no one ever admits that, you know, uh, that there are certain identity markers that you'll lead with, but you'll never lead with, uh, you know, a state of ignorance like mm. you know I'm, i don't know what i'm talking about mm. you know before i uh, get going here that's a very very bill burr technique the fact is like nah, i don't know what i'm talking about but mm. i'm gonna hit you with this stuff mm. anyway yeah the, the, yeah what's is that like an example of socratic irony yeah. like i'm an idiot guys yeah. but and now i'm gonna hit you with some really wise some wisdom here yeah uh, I was going to talk about Burr just very, very briefly, mm. because in this era of political correctness and, you know, you know, where you can't say this and you should apologize, you know, if you're a straight white man, we've heard enough of your voices. It's, it's, it's ironic, isn't it, that actually probably one of the biggest comedians of his generation is a guy who goes on stage and is entirely unapologetic for being a straight white man. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, do you think that's part of the reason why Burr has, you know, resonates so hard? Oh, I don't, I'm not sure if it's, um, if it's that necessarily. I, I, I think Burgess has a, like a, a great track record of, of just doing really great bits, mm. bits that kill in, in any room, you know, mm. whether it's an urban room, if it's a, you know, uh, a, a white room or yeah. anything like that, mm. uh, his stuff just transcends, um, I think I think it transcends even the racial stuff transcends race because yeah. it's sort of like these universal ideas. Um, one of the coolest things when I was living in Los Angeles, I got to host a show where Bill Burr was uh, mm. uh, Bill Burr was was a special guest, like yeah. unannounced guest, and he did he did twenty minutes. Uh, 
goofing on uh, on Michelle Obama, the first mm. the first lady, mm. in a room in Los Angeles, where mm. you know uh, obviously it's a very you know left leaning mm. room, and he was able to do this material and c- get everybody cracking up. Um, and I think his his approach has just always been so so good too. And it might be some of that mm. you know, hey, I'm an idiot, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and then hitting you with it. He's just a very skilled comedian, isn't he? Yeah. But I, I, I'm, Francis, I have to say I'm disappointed in you for forgetting to point out one of the greatest comedians in the history of comedy, Hannah Gadsby. Oh, right. Yeah. Have you, have you seen her special? I, 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 you know, I haven't seen the special, but I saw her TED Talk about, <laughs> Same a, thing. about the Same special. Same thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what did you guys think of the special? Is it worth it? I, I never actually saw it. Did you not? No, I never saw it. It's... Just, I, it's one of those things. The moment something becomes extremely hype and polarizing on both sides, I just wait for it to, in a couple of years and I evaluate it on its own merits. Well, look, it's it's half an hour of decent jokes followed by a TED Talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. But th- this we, we are in this sort of era of sort of woke comedy, which you could say Hannah Gadsby is the, as- uh, the apex mm. of, and she has her critics, but what is undeniable mm. is that she has resonated. She sells out tours, you know. There's lots of thousands and thousands of people who've watched her special. Um, number one, what is woke comedy, and why do you think it's resonated, and why do you think people enjoy it? Um, I'm not sure what woke comedy is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> and another, your questions are completely useless. Therefore, no, well, you know, it might be some. I, I think I think what, what's great about doing comedy today is. You know, from we have the technology where you know anybody who wants to um, wants to do comedy can do it. You know, they could start their own uh, podcast yeah. or mm. vlog and all that. And it's 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 um, helped to get rid of the gatekeepers. Yeah. You know, because yeah. there might be you know certain gatekeepers where Hannah Gatsby would never be able to get to where she is today, like mm. selling out uh, arenas and, and and all that thing. And I, I think I think no matter. What do you think about Hannah Gatsby or what do you think about Bill Burr or, or Dave Chappelle? It's wonderful to have all those choices mm. um, where it's like, oh, you know what? I can go my whole life without seeing a, you know, a Hannah Gatsby special. Mm. But all these people who are into that can go and, and, um, mm. and, you know, and support her. And I, and I think, you know, I think that that's something that, that sometimes we, we forget or you know, it's, it, it's a pretty good time to be doing comedy, mm. no matter what your comedy is. Do you, do you really think that? Because there's a lot of people who would argue, oh, you can't say what you think anymore and everything's getting shut down and I'm oppressed and all the rest of it. But you say it's the best possible time to be doing comedy. I, th- I, I think so. I think, I think there are just all these different avenues where you, could, um, where you can make stuff happen. And um, I'll, I'll you know, sometimes see like, comedians that I know who've you know, been in the game for you know, five years or something like that complaining about the state that they're in like oh you know i'm being um i'm being held back or, or this this theater won't have me this club won't have me and it's like well well you have an opportunity there to be a little bit more entrepreneurial and show people that you have an audience mm. you know if you could if you can pack 10 people into a room every week you know to see your show and then build that up and then build an online uh, your online brand and, mm. and all that um i think you need to you need to do that <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I've always sort of been of the mind that I, um, ever since I, I've been doing comedy, where I can't rely on on you know gatekeepers or the, the people uh, 
you know, sort of in the business or in the industry. Mm. It's like I, I need to just be doing my own stuff because once you start relying on other people, then, you know, you're subject to uh, what they want and, and what they don't want. I guess that's probably why you, you're not seeing some of the stuff that we, we're bringing up because if if you do what you do for yourself, just like we're doing trigonometry, we're not we don't answer to anybody. Um, that that gives you a level of freedom where you don't even have to worry about the stuff. But I certainly in this country, I don't know whether it's the same in in, in America. If you're just a club comedian, which there's obviously lots of, you are at the mercy of. You know the, the the gatekeepers, as you say, right. uh, which is why it's a great time to be doing comedy. Not necessarily to be a stand-up comedian, making your way up right. through the the standard industry, uh, but it is a great time to be doing content. Let's say, yeah, right? that's a good that's a good way to put it. Because because um, I know I know people in the states who are great stand-up comedians, but they have side jobs, they have side gigs because e- even when things are going well and they're you know hitting the road and, and doing those road gigs, it, they're still not able to, to sustain themselves mm. And, mm. and they need to, to work other jobs. So, um, yeah, I've never just done stand-up comedy or, or even tried to, you know, go that, uh, to go that route. Uh, you, you're more interested in what you're doing now with, with the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, production and using that as a way to, um, you know, to book gigs and to and to do live shows yeah. and, and and all that. Oh, but, you guys do live shows as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we did a, a tour, um, a a four city tour in, back in November uh, called the Funny Thing About Hate Speech. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a great title. Yeah. And so, when you're looking at what is happening in the U.S., because everything is so ridiculous now. I mean, like, take, you know, even like, you know, like George W. Bush, when things were ridiculous and he was coming across saying ridiculous things, it was easier to parody him. But now you see Trump and like literally yesterday, he's just been impeached. I mean, how do you satirize that? It must be impossible, isn't it? It it seems to be, yeah, very hard, especially I I I just don't have the bandwidth to be able to take everything in. Um, you know, there are so many people who seem to live their lives on Twitter yeah. and are, they're, you know, always reacting to whatever, you know, to whatever's happening. Um, and I think, I think Trump has done a really good job of, of, we're just going to clip that, by the way. He's done a really good, and then and then you'll, you'll you'll do a montage of like children in cages and then and bombings and yeah. stuff like that happening. He's, he's done a really wonderful job, and we're just going to put that on a loop. Oh my god! Uh, with Twitter, he's done a great job with Twitter. Yeah, he's he's done a really great job, you know, sort of misdirecting and yeah. and, uh, and diverting uh, attention away from you know really important things. Mm. Uh, that that are happening, um, but I think also he's um, as I guess as a, as a libertarian, I uh, I like when people are more skeptical of the powers that be and mm. skeptical of those in government. And you talk about when when George W. Bush was president, I I absolutely loved the Daily Show at that mm-hmm. time. I loved the Colbert Report. Um, I think the Colbert Report was was on around the same time. <clears throat> well, Colbert actually made his name, if you remember. By when he was right. invited to speak at the White House Correspondents, which was which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, it was great. And, it, and it was probably I loved it. Yeah, and then what happened was when when Obama came into office, I was like, yes, 
they're going to continue that. They're going to continue to, uh, you know, to, to speak truth to power, if you will. And we really didn't see that. And that was unfortunate. I was like, oh man, here I was, I was sort of, uh, you know, relying on the comedians to come and, and, uh, take the president to task. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, th- so I think, so I think now it's sort of the, uh, the executive branch has, has been, you know, maybe a little, will be a little less respected, you know, moving on and hopefully more people are, or, um, are a little more cognizant of just what, what, you know, what powers are being wielded. Mm. And, and I think, you know, what you do it with the internet is, is actually very valuable because more and more people have, you know, they look at, you know, for instance, the Tonight Show and they go, well, you know what, this clearly has an agenda. I'm now feeling that I'm being lectured to by a sort of liberal left intelligentsia. And we get it here in the UK, you know, anti-Brexit, which is fine. Do anti-Brexit jokes. Some, there are some brilliant ones. But if that is your consistent narrative, then to be brutally honest, it gets tedious. And then for somebody like we, the internet to come along and goes, look, we're going to make fun of Trump, but you know, we're also going to make fun of Hillary. You go, how refreshing. This is what comedy should be. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I absolutely love is, uh, when you post something, uh, you post something online on, on Facebook or whatever, and you have fans who say, yeah, normally I like your stuff, but this one was kind of meh. And then they come back and they're like, oh, I love this video though. Um, I like, I like to, you know, have people who are able to disagree with you, but still support your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a challenge too for myself because it's so easy to just support those who you agree with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, be, and, uh, you know, kind of fall, you know, fall into that same, into that same trap. Um, so I'm hoping that we, that we do get to the point where more people are able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we have that with, with trigonometry as well. You'll get people who, who say, oh, I watched your show for, you know, a year and a half or whatever, but this video, uh, yeah. How know. dare you have, you know, this so person. and so on. Yeah. yeah. Or, or they'll start to like, the, we, we had uh, this video, we did an interview with Posey Parker, mm-hmm. who's a gender critical ex-feminist, and um, she was pretty strong, let's say. I think that's a fair statement on, on trans stuff. And so we kind of pushed back on her probably more than we did with others. And someone on the Mumsnet Feminist Forum went through and said, oh, you had, uh, she was speaking for this many minutes and this other person <laughs> you interviewed about the same thing, they spoke for that, and it's because you're two men. And it's like, come on. But but eventually, you kind of, what I what we always talk about is like, you have an audience that is your core audience. And over time, that will shape up to be what it is. Mm-hmm. And people who, who thought it was like a right-wing eco chamber or, or a this kind of eco chamber or that kind of eco chamber, they all get filtered out. And, yeah. and what happened? Um, that was taken down, right? Yeah, it was For taken a... down as hate speech <laughs> mm. and then eventually reinstated, uh, probably because we had there was quite a backlash against it. We it was starting to get traction in in the news and stuff like that. Do you have you ever had any problems with Facebook or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? We, yeah, we, we've had oh, problems. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, so we had one. Um, it was I forget how long ago, but I ran a poll, right? Yeah. Um, and I and I asked uh, who was responsible for Hurricane Florence, right? And um, uh, uh, let's see. Twenty-five percent of the people said Donald Trump, <laughs> and the other seventy-five percent said the gays. <laughs> thank you, thank you for laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that was funny. and there was only two. There was only two options, right? Right. And, and obviously, anybody reading this, 
knew that it was a joke. Yeah. It was a play on, you know, who controls, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. you know. Should God, have included God. Jews. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and I think it was like over 10,000 people voted in this, in this poll and, and shared it around. Hmm. And it was taken down because it went against community standards. And it got me thinking, you know, like, man, um, you know, here is, here it is, like the censors on Facebook are doing away with what's clearly satire. Yeah. Man, who knows what else they're doing away with? And we've had an, uh, an issue recently with, uh, we have an old video that I shot like right after, I think it was, a, I think it must have been 2017 or something mm-hmm. like that, uh, right after the, um, uh, the inauguration, the presidential inauguration. And it's making fun of Antifa. It's yeah. like, here are six rioting tips for Antifa. And that was flagged recently um, for promoting violence. Um, and, I, and I wonder how much of it is sort of the attempt to get an algorithm that can catch every, you know, every single like problematic thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're going to have a lot of stuff that just sort of gets gets caught up in it that that, that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, we've had issues with that. And then uh, on YouTube on, as well. In those cases, were, were they manually reviewed and then reinstated or? Was, I'm not I'm, I'm not sure. I think this one, we, I think this last one we called for a manual review. Um, right. And I'm not sure what, what's happened yet. But okay. until then, it's, you know, we're now we're thinking, oh, no, like. Uh, we have to be wa- be wary of certain keywords, you know, mm. um, violence or anything that could that could um, you know get picked up as as potential hate speech. And and it's tough when you're creating content mm. to try to stay ahead of the curve um, and knowing you know what it is that we can and cannot publish without worrying about it being taken down. But well, this is the problem with censorship: is that if you if even if you if it's an algorithm, which I actually in our case it wasn't in when with the Posey Parker video it was taken down based on a manual review of it, and then we had a manual appeal again that that changed it back. Uh, but even if even if it's algorithms, it forces you as the person who's putting stuff out there to censor yourself. Yeah. And then you won't tackle the issues, like you say, the sacred cows. You'd rather stay away from it and, and do a video about something that's going to be less uh, controversial. Yeah, and, and when you're talking about demonetization, mm. you know there are you know places like like Prager University that'll uh, Prager U that that talks about their videos. But you know a lot of people on the left who produce videos, their stuff has been uh, demonetized mm. as well. And it's you know you wonder is it keywords? Is it manual re- review? Is there a you know a type of vendetta. I, I don't know. And do you think they, they've become more draconian as the years have gone by? Social I, media. Could I, I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're, you know, they're dealing with a with a lot. Uh, you know, companies like like Facebook, they're dealing with um, you know having to do congressional hearings, so they have to go before you know Congress mm-hmm. and and answer questions. Um, then they're dealing with people who, you know, are using the system and 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 hate it. Uh, and then they're also dealing with, you know, some weird stuff that they've done before as regarding, you know, uh, sharing personal information and security breaches. Mm-hmm. And then also the work that they do in other countries as well. Um, I don't think it, it, who knows? I mean, in the United States, it's probably not as bad as it is in, you know, Saudi Arabia. If, 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 <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> if Saudi Arabia has, you know, allows people to have Facebook. I don't know. Yeah. I was going to ask you, so in terms of this, uh, you said you had some problems on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. Was it just demonetization or if you had stuff taken down? I, I think, yeah, I think we've had stuff uh, demonetized. Um, and there was, for a little while, there was another video. It was 
was another Antifa video. It was called uh, Should Antifa Stop? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was taken down for a little while um, because, it again, it was saying that it was like sort of promoting, promoting violence. Mm-hmm. And if you watch this video, Should Antifa Stop? It, it's not promoting violence. Um, but now uh, it was reinstated, but now it's age-restricted. So you have to be 18 or older. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's... Do you think we're rapidly coming to a point where people are misunderstanding irony? They just don't get it anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can you can make a joke that is ironic. You can put a video out that is comedic and people will go, oh, we just simply will take that literally. Therefore, get rid of it. Well, yeah, I mean, look at um, you have Snopes fact checking um, a satirical site like the Babylon Bee, <laughs> you know, and, and that's almost its own mm. it, it, its own case of oh, this can't be this can't be real. Um, yeah, I don't know what it I, I don't know what it is that that uh, why why that's the case that people just aren't getting irony. I mean, well, we have the stereotype in, in in Britain about Americans that Americans don't understand sarcasm and irony, so it could just be that it's run by Americans. Well, you guys are really good at it. <laughs> well I mean, done. Hey, I, I gotta say, you know, you talk to enough Brits, and you're like, was he? <laughs> was he making fun of me the yeah. whole time? Yeah. Yeah. It's he, because we're deeply emotionally repressed. Yeah. And we can't actually say what we enjoy. So the only thing that we can do is just take the piss out of it. Yeah. Right. Be calm, carry on. That's yeah, right. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, die of a heart attack. Anyway. Be passive, passive aggressive. Be carry passive. on. Yeah. yeah. Be passive aggressive. Because that's just fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, where is uh, where do you think the future is? Kind of the, the culture. It's, it's an interesting time. We're recording this just after the election here in the UK, where the the right of centre party has absolutely crushed it, uh, and it seems like a lot of the reasons that that happened was the cultural stuff to some degree. Uh, so uh, the landscape seems to be shifting. What, what do you think? If if this were to happen, if let's say Donald Trump is reelected in 2020, which seems certainly credible, it's possible. What do you think the kind of cultural landscape is going to look like? Uh, I'm afraid that things might get might get worse before they get better. Mm. Um, yeah, I, it, it's almost it, it's almost uh, it's almost like everybody needs to hit rock bottom before we're able to rebuild again. Mm. Well, like uh, an alcoholic. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but three hundred and fifty million uh, alcoholics need to need to hit rock bottom. Mm. Um, I was talking to um, someone who works in in Silicon Valley uh, about tech and in particular uh, cancel culture, mm-hmm. and I was telling him how um, you know I really would like to explore that idea of cancel culture and tech and how how uh, uh, technology and social media has basically facilitated facilitated that, and with the hopes of you know. Uh, Getting bringing our culture back to one of forgiveness, mm-hmm. one where you know, hey, you posted something stupid a few years ago. We're going to let it slide and let and not make you lose your job, and you can go about go about your day. And he said, I think it's a great idea. It's not going to happen. <laughs> really, like, it's not going to happen. He's like, he's like, he's like, no, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. More people are going to be mob, you know, uh, joining you know mobs and trying to get rid of people and that sort of thing. And I'm like, oh, that's. He's like an insider. You know, that's great for trigonometry. So yeah. it's all good. Well, that's hopeful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, we are kind of in a bunker right now. So yeah. when the bombs start falling, you know, we'll be well. You guys will be safe. I don't know where I'll be. Yeah. Oh, this this boat this structure is very weak. Yeah, sadly. Very, and this isn't going to protect you from Twitter anyway. Right? <laughs> yeah. No. No. <laughs> Uh, so you, it's going to get worse. You think we need to hit a robot? Why do you, Why do you say that? Why do you think uh, you think the polarization will continue? Is that your sense? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that, that it will, that it will happen. Um, and I don't, th- while, while there are, you know, a lot of people, I guess, in the States, they call the exhausted majority, mm. um, who are very tired of, uh, of the squabbling. Mm. Um, I wonder how many of them will be exhausted and go, you know, to one extreme, you know, go to, to one extreme or the other. Mm. Um, I'm sorry, this is such a pessimistic, this pessimistic view. It might be because it's raining in, in London for the past Welcome past to England, my friend. <laughs> I've lived in the shitty, with shitty weather, not shitty, great country, <laughs> shitty weather for 25 years now. And you never get used to it. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think the problem is with Twitter, it just emboldens shitty behavior and narcissism. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, I can just, you know, and I've seen comedians go through it. They take these extreme positions and then get on a positive feedback loop where people are retweeting them and then they're getting more likes and then, and then that encourages that position. And it's then... fucking brilliant, mate. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Well, yeah. I wonder, too, just how many, how many times I've, I've you know, tweeted something and then you know, looked back on it a couple of weeks and, like, and think, oh, if, if everybody just knows me from that, mm. yeah. you know, it's like, oh, that, that's a shame. You know, because there's a lot more, there's a lot more to me than this shitty take. Well, you know? nuance is very hard, isn't it? Uh, like, I, I've thought about this often. If you just look at my Twitter feed, you would make assumptions about me that aren't true. Or cr- yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, fine. I'm, I'm a Nazi. It's fine. It's fine. Um, okay. Well, listen, man, it's it's an interesting time, uh, and I really enjoy what you do. So please keep it up, and we'll Thank keep you, watching it. Uh, the last question we always ask is, what is the one thing that we're not talking about as a society that we ought to be talking about? Ooh, um, well, I think, you know, sort of with, with the holidays coming up, I, I think it's so important to um, really embrace the uh, real-life re- relationships that we have. And to let the people who are important to you know how important they are. Um, and I don't think it happens enough. And I, I'm in a really great position, you know, being able to do comedy. And I also get to have interactions with, with fans of mine. And a little while back, I had a fan of mine reach out on Facebook and he, you know, said, said to me something that I considered pretty heavy. He said, you know, I'm thinking about trying comedy because uh, I think it would give my life some meaning oh, to create. Yeah, yeah, and, and and you know, you hear that, and it's like, whoa, you know, what, what's going on? And I asked him, what you know, what you know, what's going on in his life, and he said, well, for the past year or so, he's been taking care of his his grandmother who has dementia, mm. right? And I said to him, I, I said, man, you know, you know what you what you're doing for your grandmother is such an incredible thing. I mean. Um, you know, what can be, you know, more life affirming and than taking care of those who need, who need the most. And, and he, he said, wow, you know, um, thank you for, for reminding me of that. I, I didn't think about that. And I was thinking like, here, here you have a, you know, a young man who's, you know, doing good in the world, who's been blinded to the good that he's doing. And he, all he needed was one person to remind him, Hey man, what you're doing is, is, is amazing. And yeah, you can do comedy too and, and that could be a part of your life but what you're doing is very meaningful and, has, and can have a big impact on on people and i just you know i wish more people would uh uh would do that and embrace it because it can go a really long way 
Well, you said that with the holidays coming up, this video will probably go out after the holidays. <laughs> There's always a holiday. So if, you yeah. if you haven't done that, you're a bad person, yeah, but okay. try and do it now. I, I love it that you deliver that message when everyone's come back from Christmas and is entirely fucking sick of their family. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go back and see the family again. Yeah. No, I'd no. rather do comedy. You might not have enjoyed Christmas dinner, but they are really important. So, yeah. so be nice. Because right. uh, that's for... where your inheritance will come from. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the cynical. British sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, Lou, well, th- thanks very much for coming on, man. Uh, if people want to watch your stuff and, and follow you, where, where do they do all that? Yeah, uh, uh, We the Internet TV on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. And then I am Lou on the Subway on Twitter. Perfect. Fantastic. And as always, uh, we'll see you in a week from now with another great episode. Take care. See you next week, guys. Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.